Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everyone. This is Janet. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I know you all know me on Facebook, but um, you might not all have heard my voice before. And Alexandra, I don't think... I can't remember if you were on my call for Identity Shift Ninja. Anyway, welcome. This is our first call for um, for Vibration Rehab. Uh, and I want to start it out by um, explaining a little bit about the stages of this journey. Uh, I, at the moment, I'm on my own in terms of audio, but we have Dorothy in chat. So she's going to ask me questions as they come up, if she has them. And I'm thinking Annette might be joining us, although I know it's early for her because it's 7 a.m. So, um, so I... I, I intended right from the beginning that I would make sure that you all have access to the recordings. So especially these first two calls are quite information rich. So in one sense, it can't, it almost doesn't matter if it becomes more like a presentation, but it would be, you know, obviously it's nice to have that interaction because uh, if it's just me on my own, I get a little bored. <laughs> but then again, I get very passionate about this. So I, I'm just going to dive in. So let me outline the stages of the journey. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is um, some information that will help to soothe your logical mind so that you can more easily embark on the process. Vibration Rehab was developed uh, based on work being done in two different areas of brain science. One is work that's being done with um, people with obsessive compulsive disorder, which is notoriously difficult to resolve or was until some recent developments. Um, and the other area that I've been um, inspired by is the work being done by people like Don Gowie about, and Bruce Lipton around how the chemistry of our brain works and how our brain cells can become addicted to certain uh, neurotransmitters, um, particularly those associated with um, specific emotions. So by putting those two things together, um, I came up with this extremely simple process and one of, the, one of the things I discovered the first time I tried this with other people was that without, without having the brain science behind it, people found it really difficult to engage with it, not because it's too difficult, but because it's so easy. They kind of didn't trust it. So having some information beforehand about how the brain science works, that's, that gives you some traction. And there is also a big piece of preparation that you're going to need to do between now and the second call because it's in the second call that we will... Uh, that I'll be teaching the actual core three-step process itself that you're going to be using over the next couple of over the following couple of weeks to make the changes in your brain. But for today, what I want to do is um, give you some powerful brain science, tell you what what's going on behind the scenes, uh, and I'll give you some access to some additional reference material so that if you if you really want to dive in any deeper, because you know some people find this stuff as interesting as I do. Uh, it's there for you. It's there available for you, and um, and we're going to prepare for the work ahead by getting you set up to visit with the vibration that you're trying to clear, clear or get rid of. And I want to say right up front here. I'll say it again, and because it bears repeating, but 
the only reason that we're going to visit your vibration is so that you can instantly recognize it whenever it shows up. Um, the, 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 the reason for that will make more sense as we go through today, through the call this evening, today, this evening for me and Dorothy. Uh, and I want to say that if there's any, if you feel alarmed at all or nervous at all about visiting with that vibration, the, the vibration that, we, that we're here to, to, to heal, uh, then I invite you to listen to the material in Emotion Myth Busting. Um, and also, if you're still feeling un uneasy about it, uh, ask me a question in the Facebook group and I'll see what I can do to help soothe that. So that's, that's today. Class 2 will go through the actual three-step three vibration rehab process and give you some homework to do and invite you to, bring, to begin the process for yourself. Because you have to do this work on your own. <laughs> I can teach it to you and I can... I will stand there at the door sending you emails every day to keep you on track but you actually have to do this work because what you're doing is literally and physically changing your brain and that's something that can only happen when you take on when you activate new thoughts and behaviors and this is will all make more sense as we go down the go, th go through the process the technique that we're using has been shown to begin changing the physical brain within 72 hours uh, and it can result in radical shifts within the first week, although usually it takes about two to three weeks, which is, if there's something that you've been struggling with for years and years and years and years and years, believe me, two to three weeks, it's kind of nothing. So uh, making sure that we're prepared and ready for it, that's what's really going to help get you that traction once the, once the rubber meets the road. So this, this week is all about preparation. Next week, the rubber meets the road and we really dive into the actual process itself. Um, and the following couple of weeks will be structured more like a coaching Q&A session. Uh, although since you can ask questions anytime in the Facebook group, uh, this may just act as another forum for you to come and get some on-the-spot coaching or assistance. And then the final class, which is basically it's three weeks into your practice, your new vibrate rehab practice. By that time, you will have seen significant shifts. And what normally happens unless you don't do your homework and believe me I'll know if you haven't been doing your homework what normally happens as part of this shift a new vibration shows up it just emerges and I want to say here and now you don't have to strive for this you don't have to think about it right now in fact striving for it tends to get in the way of the process every single person I've done this with in the past has had something new emerge out of nowhere at once that shift began either once it had begun to take place or once it had sort of almost completed at some point in that journey there will be some new vibration that will emerge some new set of thoughts and emotions and sense of who you are and and new sort of power that you're stepping into so for that final call um, we'll set up some powerful strategies to help support that new vibration for you so that you can sort of go on your way with a whole big new shiny energy which will be really lovely so I'm going to start out today with setting an intention now setting an intention is a way of giving your brain a really clear instruction. Our brains love to take orders whenever we make them clear and focused. So um, I'm going to invite you to set an intention for what you want to get out of this program. Uh, Dorothy, since you're on the call, I know that you've mentioned some rage that you have been struggling to let go of. Uh, and I think that's a really a really perfect one for you to, to have as your, um, the vibration that you want to shift through this process. I will also say that, that what you learn in this, you can apply to any other vibration that you become aware of that 
is that that is becoming sticky or difficult to let go of because it's a skill. You're, it's like you're building a new skill, uh, and using it to to get rid of that rage will be really powerful for you. So that might be the so the intention that you'll want to set might be something like feeling free of rage or feeling at peace. So what I want to say is that my intention is to teach you this skill set you need so that any time you want you can let go of even the most stubborn old vibrations that no longer serve you whether that vibration is showing up as a story a belief or an emotion my intention is also to make this process easy to understand really plain and simple and to provide as much extra reference material as you might need in order to help your logical mind to accept how powerful it really is and how it works um, so I'd like to invite you, if you're, whether you're listening to the recording or Dorothy as you're, as you're listening to this now, I'd like to invite you to set your own intentions for this, for this program. And I'd like to invite you to see if you can make it something positive. So something that you're moving towards. We know, what you, we know what the vibration is that you want to get rid of, but it's really helpful if you have an overarching intention that is to do with what you want to create, what you're moving towards, whether that's freedom, health, abundance, security, loving relationships, great job, relief, whatever it might be. So pointing that intention in the direction you mean to go. And uh, if you are keeping a journal for this um, work, which is something I highly recommend, you might want to jot that down in the front of your journal so that you've got this very clear positive direction to remind you as you go through the process over the coming weeks you'll have that intention nicely, clear, nice and clearly stated in front of you. I'm going to pause for a second while I take a sip of tea. Uh, and Dorothy, if you want to uh, just think about uh, what you'd like your intention to be and pop that into chat, uh, I'm, I'll, I'd love to get it on the recording. If you're not ready to do that yet, that's fine. You can let me know. Alrighty, um, Dorothy, I'm guessing you're going to work on this one on your own. That's cool too. Um, however, you, whatever feels more comfortable for you is um, is not a bad way to go. Oh, here we go. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, Dorothy says, I want to feel at peace with my past. I think that's awesome, and I I really like that. So, if you haven't already got yourself a little journal for this work or somewhere to write this stuff down, I would I'd highly recommend that. Um, and uh, I'll make sure that I. Uh, I keep a copy of the chat conversation so that um, I've got a record of it for you as well. So this process that we're going for, my intention is also to create a really safe space for you to be vulnerable and open. So I've mentioned this in the Facebook group, but I want you to imagine that you're all guests in a, a, a beautiful house set in beautiful gardens and cared for by discreet and caring staff. It's like a virtual retreat and this is your virtual detox. Um, I've also posted some house rules in the Facebook group, um, but in case you haven't read them yet, uh, basically they're pretty straightforward. No sharing outside the group, uh, and not about your own process. About so not only don't not sharing about someone else's stuff, but at this stage, don't share this process with other people. It's like I said, it's um, it's so simple in some ways that, and yet powerful that people who don't who aren't privy to the the way in which it works would find it hard to believe and, and any voice of doubt that you encounter is likely to make it much harder for you to stay on track. So 
while you're going through this process, please keep it, you know, keep it secret, keep it safe. Um, once you're through the through the work, you can talk about it as much as you like, but for now, just keep it keep it private. Um, the second rule is lots and lots and lots of self-compassion, um, and included in that, so that's self-care, making sure that as far as you are able, you're nurturing yourself with enough sleep, enough hydration, food, all that kind of things, and um, one thing I do recommend is that you uh, not muddy the waters with doing anything else while you're doing this work. So the first time I tried doing, the first time I ran ran, in, ran this process with myself, um, which was a while back, I very stupidly decided completely out of the blue to go on a fast for a, a couple of days. Not a good idea. Don't do that. <laughs> it's just too much stuff all at once. Um, if you can put all your focus on this work, it will it will reward you. Um, and the third rule, I'm really strong about this one, a strict media diet. And again, if, that, if media is something that you have to do as part of your work, I get it. It's, you, you just need to kind of go and do that, get in, get out, you know, get in, do the thing you have to do and get out again. But from personal, from your, in terms of your personal life, strict media diet, that means no political debates, no CNN, no news media, no gossip magazines and no social media activism. For the few weeks that we're doing this, whatever your particular habit is, take a month off. Think of those things as being a bit like your dealer, sidling up to the fence and offering you a hit of your drug of choice. At this point in time, headlines are not your friend. Uh, and the world is not going to miss your activism or your attention to gossip or your uh, you know, fascination with the news. The, the world is not going to miss that for a month. And believe me, if there is anything that you absolutely have to know, the universe will find a way to get it to you. So uh, as much as possible, just, you know, don't, don't kind of freak out if you happen to see an ad on the side of a bus. Um, but just drop whatever habits you have of kind of, you know, when you see the link in Facebook in your feed on the right-hand side and you think, oh, my God, what happened at that place overseas and what terrible thing has happened? Don't click on that. Just leave it. You don't need to know at the moment. You'll find out if you need to. And that will help. It's like part of being in rehab where you're isolated away from the world just for a, a little while while you do this work. Okay, so those rules are there for your benefit, but I'm not going to be checking up on you, so you'll need to be your own monitor. And please, as I said before, if you have questions, feel free to ask them in the Facebook group or um, Dorothy, you can ask them in the chat. Uh, all right, so I'm going to dive into Brain Science 101. And uh, Annette, I know, has heard me talk about this stuff before, but it might be new to, to the others in some way. So I'm going to go through it in detail, but not so much that you're going to fall asleep, hopefully. It's not essential to understand exactly how this process works, but it is helpful to get on the same page before we start. And I know that it can help our logical left brain to to agree to go on the journey if it has something practical to grasp. So we're going to begin with this wrap-up of brain science. Um, and if you're interested and you want to dive in any deeper, you've got access to my books um, as part of the uh, material that I've um, uh, shared as, as part of the package. So I highly recommend that you start with your everyday superpower and uh, that's where you'll find all of the meaty theoretical stuff uh, to do with the brain science. Um, but really what I want to say is that reality is not as fixed as you've been led to believe. 
it's important to understand this because in order to get the most out of vibration rehab, we need to get your conscious brain on board and understand that the brain, you are not your brain. You are the user of your brain. It's like a tool. It's a very, very important tool. It's actually the conduit for all of our experience of life. So we know that we only experience reality through what the brain delivers to us. Uh, uh, you're, that's interesting. Dorothy says she's lost audio. Okay, I'm going to pause for a moment. Dorothy, can you hear me now? Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. No, I seem to have lost Dorothy out of chat. Uh, I'm just going to recommend that she log in again. All right. I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, I'm going to get Dorothy to log out and log back in again, and uh, I'll keep going in the meantime. So... Basically, the brain delivers every single aspect of our experience of reality. So whether it's a pa the pain of a paper cut, the smell of your favorite perfume, um, the, the feeling of awe you get when you look at a sunset, all of those things, we only become consciously aware of them when the brain delivers, delivers them to us. So that even applies to things that feel like they're in other parts of our body. You know, the paper cut feels like it's in your finger. Actually, it's being delivered to you. That awareness of it, that, that feeling of pain is being delivered to you by the brain. Uh, and what we know is that this applies across the board. Every single part of our experience of reality is subjective and it's delivered to us by the brain. And that means that it's more flexible than we thought it was. Because for 400 years, science said that it was impossible to change the brain. But in the late 20th century, of course, we found out that that's a big, fat, hairy lie. We can change our brains through our thoughts and actions. We do it all the time. Uh, and we got told that, 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 that we couldn't change our brains and it turns out that that was wrong. So we know, for example, that every thought creates a neural pathway. Thinking the same thought over and over makes that pathway thicker and stronger, a bit like going from a goat track to a superhighway, which in turn becomes a belief. And it's these beliefs that our brain uses in order to filter out our reality. So, you know, we know that our brains receive uh, 11 million bits of information per second and it, they can only deliver about 40 to us. It's the beliefs that we have that use that 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 help the brain decide what what to deliver as our reality. So, for example, our eyes may see absolutely everything, but our brain only delivers what matches our belief. I don't know if you've ever experienced losing your keys, but or something like that, where you absolutely you're absolutely convinced that your keys are lost forever. They're right in front of you, but until your brain is more open to the possibility that they're there. While you're in that, that belief, that strong belief of I've lost my keys, you literally won't see them because your brain won't pass on that information. A thought can also trigger, it will usually trigger an emotion of some kind. So if I'm thinking about, a, 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 if I'm looking at a, a picture of a cute puppy, I might feel affection or delight or I might feel irritation if I'm 
thinking I'd really love to have a dog but I can't because of my allergic husband or I might feel relief because I don't have to pick up puppy poo. Uh, we each of us have these different emotional responses to the same um, stories, the same images, the same input. So we get this very complex set of beliefs, emotions, stories going on that all act as filters so that we deliver, we, we experience the reality that matches those filters. Uh, and what happens we know with an emotion that is expressed over and over again, it's like it wears a groove in the brain by building up a neural pathway. So for example, if we have a story about something that's happened that's painful, it, there are two things that can happen. Either the, that will wear a groove, either the, the, the experience itself is very traumatic, in which case the emotion associated with that story will become very um, difficult to, uh, to delete, or it's something that's happened over and over and over again so that it repeats again and again and again and again. And, we, and we, again, it's like we wear a groove. It's the expression I've heard people use. It's, it's not actually a groove. It's not a literal fold. It's actually just a neural pathway that's gone again and again and again. So it's got nice and thick, um, like a superhighway. And there's an emotion associated with it. And it's that repet re repetition that does two things. It creates this neural pathway, but it also triggers a specific, a very specific a chemical cocktail of neurotransmitters. Now, neurotransmitters are the little chemical messengers that our brain cells use to communicate with each other. And uh, our cells, in order to receive the chemical messenger, our cells have little things in the walls, the cell wall called neuroreceptors. And each neuroreceptor will only fit a particular neurotransmitter. So for example, if the neurotransmitter is a transmitter for fear, the only type of receptor that will sense that is a fear neuroreceptor. And fear is a useful emotion. I'm not trying to bag fear at all. All of our emotions have their part to play. Um, and so you know, in a balanced, normal uh, brain cell, we'll have a range of different neuroreceptors ready to receive messengers that, will, that, that are conveying things like fear, anger, um, hope, joy, love, um, uh, anxiety, whatever it might be. But what happens when we ha are experiencing the same emotion over and over and over again, it's like our brain cells are swimming in this emotional cocktail and our neuroreceptors the cells begin to grow more of the neuroreceptors to match that particular chemical in order to cope with this deluge of that neurotransmitter. And as that happens, they grow less and less of the neuroreceptors for the other emotions. So what happens over a period of time, the cells, let's, let's use rage, rage as an example. We've, ex we've experienced rage over and over again. And brain cells have been kind of swimming in this cocktail of rage chemicals, they've grown neuroreceptors that are designed specifically for, re for receiving rage and nothing else. So when we have an experience that makes us happy, all of our little brain cells are kind of going, well, I've got one neuroreceptor or two that maybe can receive happy, but I've got all these other ones that are there ready to receive rage. And there's no rage coming. Where's our rage? We want more rage. So it's like the cells behave like little junkies. They can, tr uh, they can trigger thoughts that will trigger the rage in order to get this flood of chemicals. That is what they're craving. And this is one of the things that we deal with in vibration rehab. So, um, so the, 
vibration rehab does actually does four things in the brain the first two things it does we've already covered one is it changes the neural pathways the second thing is it resets the chemical balance and the other two things I'll talk about in the in our next call at more length because I want to get on to some of the preparation work I don't want to kind of fill this whole call up with brain theory because you go a bit cross-eyed um, so the, the, I do want to address something that I know is raised just about every time I run this program and it's also raised when I do this work one-on-one -on -one with clients. In one way or another, it comes up at some point. And this is the fear that people have about releasing the old habit. And it sounds kind of crazy, but um, you can ask any addict about this and many of them will report having the same fear. It's this, it's this sense that says, if I let go of this habit, who will I be? What will be left? Uh, and I can relate to this. I, I had this experience when I gave up smoking back in the 1990s. I'd, I'd been smoking 20 a day for a couple of decades. So I was pretty well embedded in this identity of smoker. It was a pretty well entrenched habit. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to get rid of the physiological habit. But when, I ca when it came to the crunch and I was thinking about giving up smoking, I realized it was such a, it was such a, a big part of who I, how I identified myself. There are lots of perks to being a smoker. It's a brilliant excuse for leaving a room when you're, when you're uncomfortable or it's getting boring. It's a very expressive prop. Um, it, when you're angry, there's nothing quite like tapping a cigarette in a certain way to express that. When I smoked, I felt like the glamorous creature that you see in the ads. You know, It allowed me to own a very beautiful gold lighter that I could use in front of other people. It, it, it was a really powerful part of my persona or at least I thought it was. It was something I could do with my hands when, when I was nervous, but I knew it wasn't serving me. And I realized that without the smoking, I, I had this, this uh, illusion that I would be less interesting, less confident, less me. And of course, it, that's completely illusion. And this is normal. The brain likes variety. It likes new things, but we are also evolutionarily wired to be wary of change. Better the safe home territory where we know how to find shelter and food quickly than risk the new territory which might be home to saber-toothed cats or poisonous vegetation or be very difficult to find food. Uh, and on top of that, there's another dynamic at work in your brain that makes us feel a bit uneasy about change in this way. And knowing that this is, is a possibility is also helpful. And it's because your right brain has no concept of linear time. So your right brain, as far as your right brain is concerned, everything is always happening all at the, all at the same time. So anything that, you, that happened when you were three, for example, your right brain experiences it as if it were happening now. So if there's a part of this thought habit or this emotion that, that began as a coping strategy way, way back then, your left brain knows that it's no longer relevant. But your right brain can't understand that. And that's okay. This is not a barrier to shifting, but it does, it can add to that a weird feeling of unease when you think consciously about letting go. So just know that if you feel this kind of strange, this is odd, this is weird, there's something weird going on here, it's just your right brain getting a little confused because it's not really clear about what's happening. And that's okay. Um, so, and Dorothy, is this all making sense? And no questions?
no, looks like we're all good. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right, so I'm going to invite you now to do a, a short exercise, and this is a this is this little exercise is a <clears throat> it's a little experimental um, thing that I want you to do. It's designed to put you in touch with a really beautiful and gentle emotional state, and it's also designed to help you feel more comfortable with the idea that you're going to be shifting some deep stuff. Um, you don't need to plan. You don't need to focus on the thing you're planning to release just yet. We're just going to do this. We're not thinking about the vibration that you're going to shift. We're not doing anything like that yet. We're just going to play with this for a moment. And if you're listening to this recording while you're driving, please pull over and do it now, or else make sure you come back and do it as soon as you possibly can. You can do this while you're sitting or lying, and it only takes a few moments. So I invite you to start now. First, I want you to close your eyes. And take a couple of slow, relaxing breaths. And as you do that, very gently set a, a, a little intention that this work will help to prepare you for releasing whatever you need to release as we go through this journey together. You don't need to know exactly what you're seeking to release right now. And we're not seeking to release it. All we're doing is letting go of any fear you might have about what you're going to be releasing. So now I'd like you to take a deep breath, expanding your belly and chest and you, until you can feel just a little tension. Hold your breath for a couple of seconds and then slowly breathe out. And as you let the breath go, make small, gentle, spiraling motions with your hands and your arms, your feet, your legs, even your neck and torso. Make the movements really gentle, relaxed and easy. Now breathe in again expanding your belly and chest until you can feel that tension. Hold the breath and as you let it out, give a sigh and repeat those small, slow, gentle, spiraling movements. You can even hang your tongue out if you like. Just let go. You're a rag doll. All right. So keeping your eyes closed, breathe normally and just check in with yourself. See if you feel just a little softer and calmer, maybe even a little bit tired. Before you open your eyes, let me introduce you to the free-flowing emotion of sadness. This is what sadness feels like when we allow it to do its work. Uh, and the work of sadness is to help us release that which no longer serves us. And sadness also helps us relax into being ourselves, aware and vulnerable. So thank that sadness for its grace and open your eyes. Now, I don't know about you, the first time I tried that, I thought I really noticed how different that is from how sadness feels when we're out and about in the world or we're having to hold back tears or we're dealing with other people. And that's because sadness has no boundaries and no sense of time. It's not something we want to walk around with all day or show to others. So we tend to avoid it instead of letting it flow in this much gentler, more, more, more nurturing and safer way. Now, I'd like to suggest that if you struggle at all through this process of vibrate, vibration rehab, uh, if you find yourself kind of, I don't know, feeling resistance about letting go, that you just invite that sadness exercise back in again. It's very simple, very straightforward, and you can pretty much do it anywhere. You know, if you're at work, you can always dive off to the bathroom and do it there if you need to. Um, 
when I'm doing this kind of work for myself, I like to do this at least once a day, probably when I wake up in the morning or when I go to bed, one or the other. Um, it's just a nice thing to do. There's a couple of more things that I want to just cover and then I'm going to give you your homework. So the first thing I want to cover is I just, I just want to um, give you a bit of a challenge to the idea of being stuck because often when we've got these old addictive relationships to an emotion or a story, it feels like being stuck and every time we try and tackle it, it, it feels like it's even stickier. But it's worth remembering that this isn't the full story. So I want to introduce you to Socrates. Um, in ancient Greece, philosophers were awarded the victory in a debate based purely on how well they presented their argument. The content of their argument was sort of immaterial until Socrates came along and introduced a really different way of thinking. He questioned everything. And in particular, he suggested that if you could find one single exception to a generalization, then the whole generalization collapses. It's no longer true. It's no longer a rule. And that in fact, it's, it's lost its power to prove an argument. So my invitation to you is to think, see if you can think of one single exception to the specific feeling stuck story that has you kind of engaged in this, um, in this program. If you can begin to see that, that that story of I'm stuck is not as true as it might have been, that will give you a little more wiggle room and that's what we're aiming to do. So everything that I've been talking about up to now is to give you that sense that you've got more power than you think, than you maybe you thought you had, that you've got some wiggle room, that there have been times where you've been able to move forward without this particular thing showing up. It might only have been for a moment and it might only have been in small ways, but there are times where you are not as stuck as you thought you were. Uh, that's not to say that I'm not trying to dismiss the thing that you're trying to deal with. I'm just saying that this, this may give you some additional traction. And now I'm going to give you your homework because there is one more crucial step that you need to complete in order to pre prepare for this journey of change. And that's to get really clear about that old vibration. Now if you're handling a couple of different vibrations at the same time, so if we're looking at something like, Dorothy, I know you mentioned that you've got rage but you've also got this um, scarcity thing that's going on at the moment, I would suggest that you just begin with one uh, and I suspect that once that one is dealt with, the other one will, act, will either or kind of release itself automatically or you'll be able to use this process on that uh, as, a, you know, as a sort of uh, follow-up thing. Uh, trying to do it with two at once is a little bit trickier. It's not impossible, but it's trickier. And, and as somebody who's just learning this, I would it would be really good to just do it with that one with the one thing. So I'm going to invite you to get clear about this old vibration, not in order to analyze it or understand where it came from. You might find those things out and it's completely fine if you do, but that's not the aim of this. The aim of this is you need to be able to recognize it for what it is the moment it shows up and you want to have a label for it because that makes it that gives you uh, what you need for the next the next piece of the journey. So th these vibrations can be masters of disguise. They can sort of sneak up on us and we find ourselves in the grip of it and we've been in the grip of it for an hour and we don't even realize. So what we want is something that really helps to unmask it. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Monsters, Inc. But the villain of the piece is a master of camouflage to the point where he can become invisible against whatever background he's he's standing against. 
And our heroine, Boo, is a little girl who's terrified of him. But there's a scene right near the end of the movie where she gets so angry with him uh, that she just loses her fear for a moment. And she, she starts, he's, she kind of jumps on his back and she starts whacking him on the head with a baseball bat, I think. Uh, and every time she hits him, he switches through to a different camouflage, completely inappropriate to where he is. So as he, she's hitting him, he's changing patterns over and over again. So, it, of course, as soon as that happens, she can see him for what he is and she's not, she's not frightened of him anymore. He's lost all his power to, to frighten her because she's seen him in his true colours. That's the beginning of being able to change. So, uh, I, I want to invite you to uh, do a, a process. I've, I've um, prepared a guided visualisation which I'll add to the group files and I'd like you to use it before our next call. It's called, uh, I've called it Meet the Old Vibe. The file, file itself is called Meet the old, Your Old Vibe and it runs for about 12 minutes. Um, so it's, it's short, it's easy to do uh, and the, the, basically the way it works is you're going to simply meet up with your vibration. You might have a conversation with it, you don't have to. The whole point of it is simply to get uh, an idea of what it looks like and what it's, and, and what it, and assign it a label. Uh, this will make more sense when you listen to the visualization. If you've got any questions about it, please ask me in the group. Um, that's totally fine. Um, and if you feel any resistance to doing this process, just share that in the group and I'll address it or go back to what you what, what I talk about in Emotion Myths Busting where I talk about how we can meet safely with our emotions um, uh, because what I want you to do is visit with your old vibe in a spirit of curiosity. You, imagine you're a field anthropologist. You're observing without judgment. Nothing in that visit can harm you and as I said before, it helps to remember that you are not your brain, you are the user of your brain. This vibration that you're meeting up with, this is a metaphor for a, it's like a construct that's, uh, that's playing at play in your brain. And what you're doing is you're finding a way to meet it so that you can, purely so that you can identify it. So it's like, it's like you're doing field identification work. If you're a naturalist, uh, you would be sketching it in your sketch pad uh, or, and just putting a little description in it. Um, so you don't need to know the initial story about how it was created. You don't need to revisit that, those events. Uh, you may or you may not find it has something to tell you. Either is perfectly okay. I can remember one of the times when I was doing this work, um, I was working on uh, a, a, a sort of a perfectionist vibration uh, which I called the prefect because it reminded me of kind of old school prefects who were um, very authoritarian and very rigid in their understanding of how the rules ought to work uh, and when I met with it um, I discovered that there was a seed of something useful there and the seed of something useful was an ability to be organized and have systems so that was useful for me to take that back from the vibration. But most of the other times I've done this work, most of the other vibrations I've worked with, when I visited with them, they haven't really had anything useful to tell me. But it's good to have that opportunity because we don't want to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. So it may have something to tell you, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't. Uh, you'll want to do this work while you're on your own 
and you'll want to do it in a safe space where you know what you won't be interrupted um, you will be invited to imagine an inner sanctuary of some kind and you can use one that you already use or you can create a new one you'll be invited to bring in some protection in the form of guides or angels or animal spirits uh, one me me uh, method that I use sometimes is um, I will ask my anger to walk the perimeter uh, of the space that I'm in because that's his job anger the anger's job is to walk the perimeters of our boundaries uh, and sometimes it's useful to give anger a job to do in that you know when we're doing this kind of work if, if this, the vibration we're working with has anything to do with um, with anger so Dorothy that might be something you want to do or it might not you might prefer some different guardians um, and uh, I do want to I, I do want to touch on one of the reasons why this is so uh, such a, a big part of the preparation I do with people and this came out of the work that's being done with the OCD patients the key to the success of the process is being able to identify when this thing shows up and obviously for people with OCD that's pretty easy to spot because if you're washing your hands five times in a row you know that the OCD has showed up when we're using this stuff what we're dealing with is a vibration that feels like it's part of our internal landscape it's um, it's not necessarily an external thing that we can look to it's this internal thing so we need to find this way of being able to recognize it and giving it a name uh, and in terms of giving it a label don't try and do that before you've met with it it's much more powerful to do it once you've had a good look through the lens of your inner anthropologist and the visualization you'll be invited to do it there but you may not get the final name there it's fine if it emerges over the subsequent few days um, so imagine the early Europeans who set off to explore um, the the new world they expected to meet all kinds of mythical creatures dragons griffins mermaids and so on uh, what you're doing is more like the naturalist who actually got there and discovered equally strange creatures but was able to give them real or find that that they either already had real names or they were able to give them real names kangaroos wombats and so on um, and finally please remember we're not aiming to change anything yet if something does release or shift that's fine sometimes that simple awareness from meeting your vibe can do the trick but for now all we're doing is becoming clear about what we want to shift knowing what it looks like and giving it a name so I'm going to invite Dorothy if you have any <laughs> Dorothy poor Dorothy's had trouble getting the staying in the chat with my sound apparently is dropping out um, I'm going to uh, invite anybody who has questions to ask them in the forum uh, and you will be getting follow-up from me uh, through the rest of this week and then next week we'll meet at the same time and we will um, we will go through the actual process hi Dorothy you're back did you have any questions you wanted to ask uh, for the recording or um, uh, you may well have to listen to the bits you might have missed if the audio was playing up nope, you're good excellent all right fantastic so I will um, uh, I will put that audio file of the, the guided visualization into the group now uh, please feel free to download it and um, find a time to listen to it between now and next week uh, and um, as I said if you have any questions please ask them in the group and uh, that's going to be uh, and I'll wrap the call up now thank you
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.